Well, if you can't preach after a service like that, I think you all just quit preaching, right? Because that was good. I think we all just give them another hand. I mean, that was good. That was real good. I couldn't be more glad to, to be here with you today. And I want to just kind of loosen everybody up in the room this morning. So we're going to do something a little bit different, something we usually don't do. So I want you to pick somebody to your left or to your right. And I want you to just look them in the eye. If you don't have anybody sitting next to you, just look at me. And I want you to look at them. Most of you are going to look at me anyway now. <laughs> but I want you to just look at them and say, you are my people. All right, don't, don't, keep looking at them. Don't, don't quit looking at them. And say, and now you got to say, and, and I'm your people. Now, don't, don't quit looking. Keep, I, now you wish you chose the person on the other side, don't you? <laughs> uh, all right. And now say, and we're stuck together. That's right. Because you're in a room full of your people right now. You see, one of the things that I get to do here at the church is oversee our small groups, and I just got the opportunity to take that over, and I'm excited about it. I love, I love that, and I'm really excited to see how many of you all decide to jump into small groups today, because if there's one thing that I figured out in life, it's this. We need each other, right? We need each other. And even if you're not a follower of Christ, you haven't decided to make a decision to follow Jesus yet, I believe that you would agree with me in saying that we just we need each other. We need to be around other people so much so that I've titled the message this, live together or die alone, right? Like we're going to learn to live together or we're going to die alone. We believe that the church exists so lost people can find Jesus. But as a church, we are moving forward because we know that when you get saved, that's simply just the beginning of your journey. And if we don't learn how to live together, okay, if we don't make personal connections inside the body, we are going to spiritually die alone. Because Christians that don't learn how to connect to other people will eventually isolate themselves and spiritually die alone. So I don't want to see one person here at the creek die spiritually because they were unable to connect with a group or isolate themselves from the body of Christ simply because we need each other. I'm going to say that over and over until you decide you need somebody in your life today. right? So this morning, listen, I'm going to be very passionate about this message because this is something I'm very passionate about. So I want you to feel free to help me preach the message today. If you want to say amen, say amen. If you want to say preach it, preacher, say preach it, preacher. If you want to say let it rip, let the wild hogs eat, whatever you want to say to help me preach this message, go ahead and do that because it's important. It's not just important for us individually, but I think it's going to be important for our church as well. So I'm just going to jump right into the message with the first point. All right? You can be alive alone, but you can't thrive alone. We believe that when people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they have to make a decision to either believe the gospel or not believe it. And we celebrate every decision that's made to follow Jesus. We do it through baptisms and we talk about it in staff meetings. But we are not content. We're not satisfied just to stop at the decision. Because you see, Jesus wants more than a decision today. Jesus wants a disciple. Jesus wants us to go further than just praying a prayer on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening or in your, in your office or wherever it is that you did that. He wants us to be committed to his word. He wants us to be committed to each other like you are your brother's keeper in a sense. And small groups are one of the ways that we do that here at the church. Now, you can be alive alone. That's, that's obvious. All of you are in here right now. And hopefully you're alive and you're not dead, right? So we know, that, we know that you're here and you can get saved 
and you can get baptized. But what happens after that? Because you will never thrive spiritually if you try to do it by yourself. And let me, let me put it like this. I'm 38 years old and I've been in full-time ministry a little over 15 years. And here's what I know about myself today. I'm too weak to do this by myself. I'm too small to walk out this walk that we're talking about all alone by myself. I don't believe any of us have what it takes to walk out this walk alone by ourselves. And if you don't get anything out of this today, this is what I want you to leave here today knowing. We is better than me. We is greater than me. That's why it's outside on, on the wall in the foyer. It's why it's one of our core values because we know that we is greater than me. And in our culture, it's become about individualism. How many of you know it's, it's about the American dream today? It's about the right to happiness. And we all want a job and we want to be, have a little bit of money and we want to be able to buy a house and have a car. And, and, it's, and it's all about me. But the kingdom of God is about community. It's about all of us. And so many of us, including myself, and I feel like the Apostle Paul when I talk about this, I feel like the chief of sinners because I, I feel like we get so focused on me sometimes. We get so focused on me that we don't see the we around us, but we is stronger than me. We can survive when me would die all alone. And I listen, I'm going to get right with this message today because I'm, I'm, I'm just talking to myself so you all can just kind of pull up a chair and listen to me preach to myself today. Because I've got, I've got a problem sometimes of just wanting to retreat and get alone and get by myself. And the older I get, I'm learning that sometimes it's easy just to overlook the simple things in life. So I don't want to look, overlook all the plural and pronoun words that I'm getting ready to show you in this passage, in the passage of Hebrews. So let's just look at it together in Hebrews. It says, Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, when I was going over this and I was reading over that in Hebrews, one of the first things I started thinking about is the writer of Hebrews was not talking to one random man sitting alone in a Starbucks by himself. He's talking to all of us. He's talking to all of the believers. He's talking to the blue-collar worker that just lost his job. He's, he's talking to the school teacher who is so beat down by the politics of the school that she's teaching in right now. He's talking to the teenager who's trying to be a witness for Christ at his school while half of his, half of his friends are smoking pot and the other half are drinking alcohol. And I'm telling you, he's talking to the brand new believer that just got saved last week and was baptized and is trying to figure out where in the world to start reading in the scripture. I mean, this is who we are. This, everything he says right here is not about I, it's about us. It's who we are. It's not about me, it's about we. It's about all of us. We're all in this thing together. And when me meets Jesus, he pushes me into a group with, with a bunch of people. 
You see, when I met the Jesus that died on the cross in my place, taking the punishment that I deserve, resurrected, he did not allow me to stay me all by myself. He pushed me into a group of other people. You see, Jesus loves me and he loves you way too much just to allow you to be you all by yourself. Because me all by myself is a dead man. Me all by myself is a target for the enemy. Me all by myself, I'm telling you, man, I'm depressed and I'm anxious. And, and me all by myself is, 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 I mean, I just can't handle temptation. That's why I need a group of people around me. When I'm by myself, I get to the place that I think the world is all about me. So what I want to do this morning is I want to show you a couple of let us statements from these passages we just read that's going to help us understand how important small groups really is to us and to the church as a whole. So let's just, just jump into it. Here's the first one. Let us draw near to God. You see, if, if we get to the place that we begin to isolate ourselves, it's really hard to draw near to God because we don't have anyone asking us how we're doing or what's going on in our life. And so let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt distance between you and God? Because there's been times in my life that I begin to pray and it's like my prayer doesn't go past the ceiling. And what I'm, what I'm finding out is it, it's usually because of sin in my life. Or it's something that's going on. It's something that I thought. It's something that I did. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little convicted by it. And all of a sudden, it feels like, like Satan is just trying to heap condemnation. And he's trying to just heap shame on top of me. And all of a sudden, it feels like there's a wall where there used to be a bridge. And, and all the trouble, all of a sudden, I feel like I'm just having trouble drawing close to God because of it. But, but I'm telling you. The craziest thing starts to happen when you get around a small group of people. And most of you all have been in a group, and you know what I'm talking about. When people start taking the mask off, when you start sitting in circles instead of rows like this, you begin to realize that there's a bunch of people in your group that is as crazy and as jacked up as you are. <laughs> you know why you're laughing? Because you've been in a group like that. I mean, I've been in groups before and I've been sitting there and I've been listening to what's going on and I heard something and I thought to myself, my goodness, I just thought some bad things. They did some bad things, you know? And Jesus, if you love them, you ain't gonna have no trouble loving me. I'm just kidding, by the way. If you've ever been in my group, I'm not talking about you, all right? Hopefully, you know I'm joking. But, but when we get around other believers, I promise, it helps us draw closer to God. Here's another one. Let us hold on to hope. I mean, how many in the room have ever felt hopeless? Like there's times in my life that I feel like everything in the world's falling apart. I feel like there's nothing that I do that goes right. There, there, I mean, just everything just seems to go the wrong way and I'm just hopeless. And some of you have been here when I've got to speak before and you've heard me get to talk about a little bit about depression and struggling with depression. And I remember the last time that I went through a little bout of depression, it actually caused me to feel like I had no hope. I just didn't have any hope at all. But do you know what happened? Us. Us happened. I had a small group of people that would call me every single day. You know why? Because in my group, I took my mask off and I said, you know what, guys? There's something going on. I'm struggling a little bit and, and I just need you guys to help me through this. So every day I'd get a phone call. I remember one guy in particular and he'd call and he'd say, hey, how are you doing today? What's going on in your life? What are you doing this evening? You want to do something with me? Do you want me to come over? Some of them would just stop by sometimes. 
It's crazy. They just stopped by to check on me, but my favorite one. And listen, guys, if, if you're a man in here, I don't want you to be jealous of what I'm getting ready to share with you. <laughs> because my wife, my wife loves me. And when I go through things like that, she sends me messages sometimes and try, tries to encourage me. So I don't, want, I don't want you to meet me after the service and, 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 and you know, say anything about it. I just, can I give you all like a, a bird's eye view into my life? Yeah. Is that all right? So what, what happens is I start going through things like that and my wife sends me text messages to encourage, <laughs> encourage me. And here's one of them I wanted to share with you. You are a cutie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, you have a great purpose in life, and it's as important as the tiny things that seem in insignificant as it is in the grand things. Chin up, sweet hubby. I know some of y'all wish your wife would talk to you like this. <laughs> you are a mighty man of God, and I love you so very much. Do you all know that when I get messages like that from her, I feel like I could take a water pistol and charge hell with it and put the flames out? <laughs> Now, hopefully your wife will compare you to something other than a fruit, but, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever helps, you know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it does. It just gives me hope. It gives me hope. Donnie Brock is, uh, he's one of my closest friends in life. I know some of you all don't, don't know him, and that's okay. He's actually here today. But he's one of my closest friends. And I remember the last time that I went through a season of depression, and I didn't have any hope. Do you know what I did? I borrowed some from him. Because when you don't have any hope, you're not going to find any inside of yourself. So you need, get, you need to get around some us. You need to get around a group of people and allow them to fill you back up when you need help in your life. Here's another let us statement. Let us spur each other on. Now, everybody in here knows what a spur is. It's like a little round metal object with like little spikes on it and cowboys wear them on their boots. And I always thought it sounded really cool when they walked, but I never had to compare cowboys. I don't understand all that, but I do know this. I do know that when you put them on and you get on a horse, they would take them and they would kind of shove them into the hind quarters of the horse to kind of spur it forward to make it go a little bit further and a little bit faster. Now, let me just ask a question in the room. And let's be honest and take the mask off in rows for just a second. Just, just raise your hand. How many of you in this room just ever wanted to give up? Look, look at all the, I don't say liars, but yeah, we're all, yeah. Everybody, listen, listen. If you raised your hand, congratulations, you're a human. Right? Like, and I just believe if you've never wanted to give up, you're not doing it right, man. Something's wrong. Like, life is hard. Amen. We've all got family members we're trying to take care of. We get bad health reports. We've got children that we're taking care of. We've got school and we've got work and we've got bills to pay. And, and not even to mention, we live in a day and time where everyone is easily offended. We've got global warming, global cooling. Climate change, whatever Al Gore says it's going to be this month. And I hate to even mention the, the political climate of our day. But what your small group does is when you're going through hard times in life and things begin to get hard, they'll come over and they'll look at you and they'll grab a hold of you sometimes and they'll say, hey, snap out of it, man. Stop.
Stop feeling sorry for yourself. I'm going to come over to your house and you're going to cook me a hamburger. I don't know how that works, but that's what happens most of the time. You end up cooking for them. But what the great thing about it is, is you've got somebody to sit with and you've got somebody to talk to and you've got someone to go through life with when it gets hard. And that's, and, and they'll pray with you. And that's how we spur one another on. Do you know what else it means? It means if I see you ruining your life, I'm coming into your life. And for the love of God, if you ever see me doing something that's going to ruin my life, I pray that you'd come to me and say, hey, stop doing that. That's how we encourage each other. Here's another one. Let us keep meeting together. Now, I'm just going to kind of clear me off a spot for this one, okay? Because in the South... There's a lot of history to church life, all right? And I know that we know that because Pastor Trevor talks about it all the time. But I'm going to tell you something that small traditional church does well. And something that, and, and I think small traditional churches, most all of us grew up in one of those, okay, one of those churches. But here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the small traditional church because that's where I learned about Jesus, the small traditional church is, is where I learned about theology. It's where I learned to sing old hymns. It's where I hung out with old ladies with blue hair. Come on. I mean, it was a great time. I learned a lot of things. But I'm going to tell you something that big, big church can learn from small church, okay? We can learn to keep meeting together. Because listen, friends, when you miss in a small traditional church, they will come looking for you. Gertrude will call you. You'll get all of a sudden the phone will ring and you'll, and you'll pick it up and it'll be Gertrude and she'll be like, I noticed that you weren't in church today. So I just wanted to call and make sure your gallbladder hadn't busted. <laughs> or is it the gout in your right foot? Or is it your hemorrhoids? <laughs> Maybe that one was too far. I shouldn't put it up there. But it's amazing how they know the things that they know. But I'm telling you, Small church will put up with anything. Church splits, moral failures, arguments over the color of the carpet, coffee or no coffee in the auditorium, but they will keep coming back together. Do you know why? Because they've got skin in the game, man. They love those people. That are, hey, that's their people. And you couldn't separate those people with a truckload of dynamite if you wanted to. That's exactly what small groups do for a church this size. They help create community inside the body. And listen, I want you to understand this today. I, do, I, don't, I don't go to small groups to check off a religious box. I go to small groups because I can't do life without you all. And whether you want to believe it or not, you can't do life without me. We need each other in life. Now, I've said this before, but it bears repeating. How many of you all know that we live in the age of social media and smartphones today? We do. We spend hours upon hours upon hours on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest. And you might have 500 friends that poke you and want you to play games with them all the time. But I'm going to tell you something today. That here's, the, here's the real deal. When all hell breaks loose in your life and the wheels begin to fall off, your cyber friends are not going to walk beside you. They're not going to be sitting on the couch next to you when you find yourself in the midst of trouble. And I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying because, because there's nothing wrong with Facebook. But we need people that will sit face to face with us more than we need Facebook. And we live in a day where social media is on an incline, but social interaction is on a decline today. 
And over the last several weeks, I've been talking with people about leading a small group. And if that's something you're interested in doing, I want you to see me before you leave today. Or even better yet, take a card. Put your name on it. And uh, please print it for me so I can read it. And, and, <laughs> and put the correct email address and put your phone number. Take it out the next steps and they'll make sure it gets to me. Or even better, if you've never been in a small group, I want to encourage you to join one this semester. Now listen. I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're sitting out there right now and you're thinking, listen, I've already tried this small group stuff. I went to one and one or two and I went to it and I didn't like it and I didn't really like them and I never went back. Well, listen, they're probably glad you're not there, right? <laughs> but don't stop. Find another one to go to. Like if I go to a restaurant and I don't like the food, I don't stop eating. I find another restaurant, like I like the Outback, but Malone's is a lot better. Amen? <laughs> Go try another one, and here's why. Disconnected things eventually get sick and die. This is why small groups are so important to a church this size. If you get sick, there's going to be people to come around you to help heal you. That's why it says this in James chapter 5. Therefore, if you confess your sins, you know what I say? Therefore, if you can get into a group and take the mask off and you can find people that you love and love you and you can be real. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. Amen. The church is designed to heal each other. That's, what God, that's how God created it. And so I want to wrap this up with a story from the book of Acts that you may have never you may have never looked at like this, but I think it's going to change. It's going to help us land today. It says, then some Jews came from Antioch, and we're going to get back to this. And Iconium, and they won the crowd over. And they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, do you know what I think is going on right here? Think about it. Paul was just stoned, dragged outside the city. They all think that he's dead. And all of a sudden, all the disciples gather around him, and I believe they prayed for him. Amen. And the scriptures say that he, he got back up and he went back to the city. Why in the world would he go back to a city where they just stoned him and almost killed him? I'm going to tell you why he went back. Because his boys were with him. So he got back. He went back to the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached. They, he didn't do it by himself. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystria, Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We, not I alone, but we must go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. And with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And after going through Poseidon, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atelia. And from Atelia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. And I love this. On arriving there, they, as a group, gathered the church together reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Listen to me. 
How many of you all know that your friends will fight for you? Your friends will fight for you when you are in need, when you're down and when, when it seems like you're down and out and things are going wrong. Your friends will fight for you. We can't do life by ourselves. It reminds me of the story of Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he knew that he was about to be crucified. And all of a sudden you see Judas come with a band of Roman soldiers. And Judas gives Jesus the deadly kiss and all of a sudden you see the, the Roman soldiers surrounding Jesus and one of them grabs a hold of him to seize him. But how many of you all know Jesus had a friend by the name of Peter? How many of y'all know Peter packed a blade? And Peter took out that blade and whack! Cut a guy's ear off. And I can imagine Jesus saying, Peter, why did you do that? And Peter looked back at Jesus and said, because you're my dog and that's how I roll and nobody's going to mess with my friends. Your friends will fight for you. Your friends love you. You're going to go through hell in this world. Don't do it alone. Find a group. I'm alive today because of we. I'm still preaching today because there was some people in my life that would not allow me to give up and quit. I am who I am today because of us. See, you can go into dangerous places when you have your family with you. You can go into dangerous places when you have your, your group or, or like Pastor Ryan likes to say, your tribe. You can do big things for God when you're not trying to do it alone. You can go into the very place that caused you pain and heartache as long as you've got your people by your side. Creekers, you are my people. You are my people and we belong to each other. You cannot live alone. You cannot live isolated. We need each other. I can, do, I can endure anything if I've got my people with me. I can endure anything. Here's what I, I know today. I can stand up here all day and I can preach until I'm purple in the face and try to tell you how important this is. But I think it'd be better just to show you how important groups is to a church of this size. So I want you to pay attention to the screen for just a moment. been in this small group for many years. Don't know exactly when I came, but in 2016, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And this group saw me through the disease. All the decisions I had to make real fast. And it's life and death matter. They helped me through that summer with the decisions I had to make. Just stood behind me every step of the way, every crying spell I took or any decision I had to make. They are what saw me through cancer. 
I had both breasts removed, got rid of the cancer. Today I'm cancer free for three years. And it's because of this group and the support that they give each other. I'm Paula. I am the group leader, although I don't consider myself a great leader. We have uh, all ages, all different backgrounds, but we all come together every Wednesday night because we love God and we love, we love to be together. My husband's mother died Labor Day weekend. There were no flower shops open. She died on Saturday, I think. The funeral was Monday. And these ladies <laughs> um, practically overnight got food together, brought it to my house, and it was set up when we got home from the funeral for my husband's family to eat. That's just what this group does. I periodically drive a van for the Shriners and it's one of my volunteer projects. And Paula had gone with me one of the days and we were on our way back and uh, got a call that uh, one of our ladies had fell and was in the ER. Her vehicle was stuck at a local grocery store here. Her husband had no way to get it home. So we went straight to the hospital, got the keys, took care of the vehicle and took it home and then back to check on Mama Kay. They came to the hospital and all met with me there. And they brought me gifts and they brought me a flower arrangement and I had prayer with me. And then one of them came the next day and washed my hair for me. Once we got home from the hospital, I actually couldn't do anything. Uh, my arms been in a sling until this week and I couldn't walk either. So I was like in a wheelchair and I couldn't do anything. So they decided who would bring food what night. They brought meals every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and uh, made enough food so that it would last those other days that they didn't bring. So Andy and I have not had to cook at all. They have been instrumental in helping Andy take care of me. I, he just, it, it couldn't happen. When Kay came home from the hospital, she had various needs, and so we came and sat with Kay. We made sure that their meals were prepared. We knew we would do whatever it took to help her mm -hmm. to get through this. She would do the same for any of us. Mm -hmm. That's the way this group is. When I was unable to walk and couldn't go to them, they brought the group to me because they knew how much I needed it. So the last eight weeks, they met at our house so that I could be a part of it. We can't, couldn't even imagine what an outpouring of love and concern and compassion that they've had for us and how they've cheered us up and laughed and cut up and, and got us through things that were just, just unimaginable. And when you know somebody that loves you and loves your church, has your back, it makes a huge difference. You do so much better if you have a group of people to go through life with. I wouldn't want to go through life without these ladies. There's nothing we can't confide in each other. We laugh together, we have fun together, we pray together, and but we love each other just like family. And we are family. The love that we all have for each other 
it means it means the world to all of us. And we know that no matter what, no matter when, they're gonna be there. We can't really solve everybody's problems, but we can be there to lift them up, sometimes, give them a push. Sometimes all we can do is pray. Yeah. That's all we can do is pray. Or we can feed them. Yeah. We do that real well. Through death, through heartache, through pain, through hunger, circles are always better than rows. So today, what I'm asking is don't do life by yourself. Get online, find a group, go out to next steps and tell them you want to be in a group. If you can't find one, get with me and we'll create one. We'll do something, but we need to be in circles. Let me pray for us. Father, I love you. I thank you so much for who you are. Lord, most of all, I thank you for this place we call the Creek Church. A place that we can come in and we can be ourselves. A place that, that we can be loved no matter what. A place that's real. And Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that for each person in here, I just, I just speak blessing over them. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just move in their heart to get outside of these, these, these roles that they're in and find a circle, find a group of people that can love them like they deserve to be loved. And Lord, you just take us and you use us for your glory. And I ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. And amen.